If you want to find your purpose, you look around where you are, your small sphere, and you try to steward that really well. And if you could steward that really well, your influence and reach will expand and you'll start to run into more and more things that you're good at and people are going to seek you out because they see that you're a good steward. And it, but like, it's almost like a by proxy situation where as you expand, you're going to bump into the right people, the right trail. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pekulski. This is one of my favorite conversations that I've had, and, and a guy who's quickly becoming a big influence on my life, and simply from afar, Jonathan Rios joins me today. You may or may not have heard that name before, but by the end of this podcast, you're going to really appreciate what this man has to contribute to the world. Jonathan is an athlete turned mental coach. He's also been in the military. He's a licensed psychotherapist who is deeply committed to remaining undomesticated, and I love that idea of not being socially adapted, not being socially influenced. He works extensively with addicts, performers, veterans, and stay-at-home moms, busy professionals, and spiritual seekers. Uh, we have an amazing conversation. That gets a little weird in the beginning. I'm, I'm going to admit we went down some interesting paths. And, and for some of you, that may be a little uh, unusual for this podcast. But I, I, we reel it back in after a few minutes, and, and we really go down some incredibly valuable paths as far as how we can help uh, men, ultimately be better men. And Jonathan is really well known for his Primal Virtues social media and Primal Virtues book. So he's calling it Primal Virtues for the Modern Man, how to ultimately show up at your best. He's developing courses on how to be ultimately how to be more primal. It's primal courses based on the core principles. Um, He's got some coming up actually this month. Some of the key points in this interview, the mind, body and soul uh, connection within uh, psychological issues. So ultimately, if you're experiencing any challenges in your life right now, uh, how to ultimately look at it with a complete view. We talked about some of his paranormal experiences and things that defy the laws of nature. I know a lot of people get weird around these topics. And I think it's just because, you know, I probably would have been the same way if you would ask me 10 years ago. But I think it's just because you don't know what you don't know and you haven't experienced things. And, and I, I encourage everyone to, to come at life with simply an open mind, right? Um, you, you have, we have no idea what we don't know. We have no idea what we, we can't experience, or maybe what we are experiencing, but we don't even realize it in many instances. Um, another key point from this interview, we talk about the evolution of the modern man and how to speak out um, when it often feels like men are being held back, certainly by society con- uh, striving or, or aiming for conformity. It's definitely something, a hot topic today for, for me, for sure, and, and uh, how to raise children, how to raise a young man in a society that is certainly uh, going in interesting directions. There's, there's access to literally every different direction. How do we lead our next generation? Which is, as you guys probably hear in my voice, one of the things I'm most passionate about in life is how do I lead my son? How do I lead my daughter to be great humans, to ultimately not be influenced by other people's expectations, society's manipulation, uh, so Jonathan and I did, dig into that quite a bit, and we talk about some of the daily practices to remain in attack while using assertiveness and aggression as an appropriate, positive force in your life. I'm confident you're going to love this conversation, and if you uh, do, or when you do, head over to social media and follow Jonathan there. His Instagram handle is Primal Virtues. Big, big fan. He's one of my favorite accounts right now. And today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at realmushrooms.com, realmushrooms.com slash Ben. Get the code, use the code BPAC. 
for 25% off your first purchase and muscle for 20% off your purchases thereafter. And I've talked about this, this these mushrooms at nauseum for a long time. However, I've actually started including more mushrooms lately than ever before in my life, not less. Because what I've learned as the more I study about mushrooms is they're an incredible stimulant or incredible boost to the immune system. So literally the first thing that I talk about when I uh, get sick or I feel like my immune system is running down or if I do a blood panel and I see my immunity is down a little bit, literally the first line of intervention for me is I'm going to go after mushrooms. Typically the five defender product from real mushrooms, which is uh, really, really high in beta-glucanes, which is super useful for stimulating the immune system. They've also got something called ergothionine, which can be very helpful for the gut. And you guys know that I'm a massive fan of lion's mane for brain health. I don't use lion's mane as consistently anymore. I probably use it for about a month at a time. Now, I use three to six grams a day, usually three grams in the morning, three grams in the evening. I don't find it too stimulating. I just find that my brain seems to work more effectively. I find that it allows me to grow my brain, or I shouldn't say that. It allows me to learn more effectively because it's been proven to grow your brain, right? They call it miracle growth for the brain. And you guys know that reishi is like a staple in my house pretty much all the time. Ladies and gents, thank you very much for being a listener to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Support our sponsor, realmushroom.com slash Ben for the best quality organic, all fruiting body mushrooms in the world. There's no mycelium, which means you're not paying for grain. Ladies and gents, enjoy the show. John Fermios. When we speak of using psychotherapy as an intervention, is that what does that look like? Is it, is it a blend of different modalities or is it your own version or what exactly is the typical approach to helping people overcome to the challenges they're experiencing? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the therapist you talk to, but my personal take is that modalities are, are great and needed, but the person is the instrument. So mm-hmm. the therapist or the counselor or the coach is the actual instrument. And so everything flows out of lived experience and modalities and techniques help and can be really productive. But if the instrument isn't sharp <laughs> and on point or in tuned, then modalities mean shit, you know? So I train all those modalities. I have to, to keep licensure up, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'd say I'm pretty eclectic when it comes to the style. I mean, I, I, for me, I, I want to be talked to in a raw fashion. I want, I want the real, I want authentic. So that's how I tend to communicate with clients. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's the concept of like coach the, the client and not the problem. Like that's what we're taught as coaches. I'm a coach as well. And does that sound like it's a similar approach? It's like you're trying to get to the root of the challenges within the person. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, as well as I do, temperaments, personalities, and lived experience are huge factors in whoever you're talking to. So, man, I, I really enter every session with kind of from scratch with a really open mind. I mean, I learned, I learned so much from clients, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of a perpetual learner, but I'm not afraid to tell you what I think. <laughs> so what's a, what tends to work? So I know that's a very, very loaded question or very, very broad question, but so I know when we speak of whether it be anxiety, panic, depression, anything in between, there's so many layers, right? There's this, obviously the psychological cognitive layer, there's also a physiological layer. Um, you know, there, there's there's trauma. There's so many different theories of where this is coming from. What is the root of it? Because like I, I I deal with people on a consistent basis who have deep level levels of anxiety, and uh, you know we see hormone deficiencies for sure. So like I'm curious if you if you dabble on that side of it as well, or is it just going after the psychology of it? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to take a tri-dimensional approach, which is body, soul, spirit. Yep. Like you were just saying, hormone imbalances and, 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 you know, organic dysfunction in brain or, or the pancreas or whatever the, the situation might be, thyroid, stuff like that. That's a huge component. Also hydration, sleep, you know, the basics. But then the soul component is that, that psychological piece, the emotional realm, belief systems, mentality, mindset, but then deeply ingrained, hardwired limiting beliefs are a huge factors. So dealing with that stuff. And by the way, I should have said with body, you know, trauma gets frozen in the body. That would be like modalities like EMDR, brain spotting, things like that work really well with that issue. And then lastly, the spiritual component would be meaning, existential crisis. Also, you're talking to a guy that grew up with a lot of weird paranormal stuff. Hmm. And so I didn't talk about that stuff for years. I didn't think anybody would, would understand or would think I was crazy. As a clinician, you hear people's secrets all day. So they're going, hey, man, I, I hear this like five times a week. Hey, man, I, listen, I've never told anybody this, but uh, X, Y, Z, you know, and they're hoping that you don't think they're crazy. So spiritual component would, I would kind of identify that as spirit realities, right? So what's, what's at the deepest sense of real, what, you know, what is in that, in the ether, in the, in the, those other dimensions, is there a God, is there a purpose for your life? All those, all those things encompass, let's say the spirit, the spirit category. So yeah, man, those are kind of, I try to go, is this a spiritual issue is this a soul issue? Is this a body issue? Have we nailed all three? That's kind of my platform, I'd say. So talk to me about the paranormal, man. You brought that up. I can't, I can't let that slip by unaddressed. So what did that look like as a kid with a lot of paranormal experiences? Yeah. Well, so I didn't know this back then, but my, I mean, I, my family's from Puerto Rico. Yep. So my parents came over when I was young and, and I didn't know this, but my mom's whole side of the family is deeply, deeply, uh, invested in witchcraft. So hmm. like animal sacrifice, blood sacrifices. My, my uncle is a voodoo priest. My mom growing up going to psychics and having her palms read. And that's just kind of the, the, the culture in her, in her neighborhood. So anyways, growing up, man, I, I would have uh, like almost weekly, some dark presence would come into my room and come over top of me and begin to choke me, would close my mouth shut so I couldn't scream out for help. It advanced to the point of being levitated off of furniture while wide awake and sober, being struck by, uh, like, um, I'd say claws and hands that I couldn't see, but could feel the pain and have marks on my body. I mean, that happened all the way to the age of roughly 25. Wow. So I, I, for me, it was like normal, which is weird, but that was my grid. And then I, li I lived in Europe for a while and began to really just dig, dig into, okay, if, if there is more, if there, if there are spiritual realities and these aren't just psychological manifestations. What, what could I be dealing with and running into internationals and, and having experiences with people there that were, uh, let's say, under the influence of otherly entities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And then I've traveled the world, lived in, in Ireland, lived in Africa, lived in the Caribbean, lived in Dominican. And then having worked in, I worked in the, the in foster agency for a while. And my wife and I fostered over 13 teenage boys and had a lot of weird paranormal stuff going on in that house when we lived there. And I mean, I could tell you story after story after story, but dark, dark stuff, man, you know? So just really, wo I woke up, I say I woke up at the age of 25, kind of realized who I am and the authority that I carry. And then uh, be that, that stuff began to cease in my life. But I, be I 
it positioned me to help other people who are going through, let's say, any kind of torment, demonic torment, um, spiritual oppression, things like that. What what percentage of that is psychological manifestation versus a reality? Because here are people who are you know schizophrenic or bipolar who may be experiencing things that are you know I, feel, I hear people in my head. I, I have zero experience with that stuff. So and, and so. Excuse me if this is an ignorant question, but like what percentage of the time is it actually something just something going on in somebody's head versus something you might consider a paranormal? This is kind of a tangent for our conversation, but I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I I just I can tell you my lived experience, really. But I would say when people start levitating <laughs> and when people start eye colors start to literally change from white to yellow, when someone has superhuman strength that can't be explained, that requires five to ten people to subdue that person when that person's only a hundred pounds soaking wet, things that defy the laws of nature. Um, also, I, I, my personal experience has been when I begin to pray out loud with someone who's under that kind of torment, that's when things really catch on fire and amplify big time. Mm. So it's like when, there's, when it's being intentionally addressed, uh, I'd say that's what I, I've noticed. Now, I have worked with schizophrenics. I've worked with schizotypal. I've worked with people under hallucination and delusion. And you don't see any of those factors I just mentioned. What you do see are deeply ingrained beliefs and, and persecutory ide- ideas. I'm being persecuted. I'm being hunted by the FBI or by aliens or the Russians or whatever. I've seen a lot of that, but none of the, when you d- deal with the organic, let's say, say schizo- schizophrenia is like an organic brain issue. Yeah, that, that's what I would. That's kind of where I would delineate the two is the kind of the the stuff that supersedes natural law yeah. is where where it starts to you start to get into those waters. Makes sense. So we brought you on this this podcast to chat about you know ultimately the evolution of of the modern man, right? What does it what does it look like to have our our next generation grow into the most effective version that we're possible of creating? I think that's where this this kind of comes to fruition, and, and where I want to tie that bridge. As you said, at 25, you woke up. And I'm curious, what did that look like? Because I mean, I think everything you did up to the age of 25 was part of your journey into becoming a person that was ready to wake up, a person that was ultimately growing into a man. And so yeah. I'm curious what happened at the age of 25 as far as your cognitive awareness. Like where where did your where did your mindset go? What did you become aware of that allowed you to quote unquote wake up? I guess we're gonna go there. Yeah. So I mean, I told you like growing up with a lot of weird stuff, paranormal stuff, it, it was my normal. Well, flash forward, I'm 25. I I didn't have any con any like connections in Europe, but I wanted to play at higher levels in Europe. So I I got a I got my my rucksack and I decided to fly to to Ireland. I had all I'd always wanted to be in Ireland. Even as a little kid, I remember thumbing through little books from the library. I loved Celtic culture and I'm Hispanic. So it was just like a natural organic desire. So I, I booked a flight, I land, I have no idea where I'm going and I've got to, I've got to leave out, leave out a lot of details, but I ended up landing a contract with the team. I'm living overseas. And at the same time, I decided to attend a, it was like a, uh, a spiritual development school. Part of the curriculum was you spend the first half being taught from missionaries from all over the world. The second half, you just do intense service work. So it's like an eight month program. So the second half, we were just, I decided to stay in Ireland and just go around the, the country doing service work. I mean, anything from dig- ditches to serving at schools or whatever, we did it all, you know, homeless, you name it. So I ended up at this uh, 
gosh, it was called Cookstown. And we're at this like old, old monastery. And it was run by these community. It, <laughs> looking back, it was like definitely a cult. But we went in to serve these guys, you know, to serve this cult. And uh, while we we're there, I remember one night we were uh, kind of sitting in a circle, kind of debriefing the day. And one of the girls says, hey, guys, let's just say a prayer or whatever and then call it a night. And so we're like, cool. While she's praying, this girl next to me, who, who's 100 pounds soaking wet, starts to like grunt and growl like an animal. And then she, she squeezes my hand real hard. She throws it to the ground and she storms out like really mad. I'm like, that was uncalled for. <laughs> so anyways, this other girl goes after her. There's about eight of us. She, and she comes back two minutes later. She says, guys, I don't know how to say this, but Samia needs to be delivered. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Uh, what do you guys mean? So I follow them into this room and I, I get into the door frame and this girl She's from, this girl is from uh, Palestine. She's in the corner of the room, like face against the wall, about three inches from the wall, staring at the wall, like stiff as a pillar. And I said, hey, uh, Samia, is everything okay? You know? And she looks at me with a different voice and eye color is now yellow and says, Samia's not here and turns back and faces the wall. And you would think in that moment, like I could feel tangible something in the air. I could. I could feel something, but as I crossed the threshold, some of the jokers in the behind me pushed me into the room with this girl. So, and you would think I would be a little bit scared, but I remember as I went through the threshold, it felt like courage and boldness and peace just kind of came over me. And I began to walk towards this girl and I began to speak to her. And then I began to pray out loud and she began to just erupt with some kind of otherworldly entity, man, like different voices and eye color and strength and all the stuff I just described a minute ago. I'm not, not her, different thing altogether. And over the course of, I'm leaving out a lot of details because it's a long story, but over the course of three hours, this thing leaves and she collapses into my neck. I lay her down on a, on a bed and I say, Samia, like, and she's, she's got no strength left. I lay her down. She's covered in sweat. I go, Samia, like, what just happened? Like, I'm confused. And she said, Johnny, there was a man's voice inside of my body. And when you would tell it to stop choking me or to let me speak, it would obey your voice. And it's gone now. And then she fell asleep and she slept straight for like 13 hours. Mm. And uh, that was, and that night I remember walking out going, holy shit, I don't know what's going on here. But there's definitely more than meets the eye. For me, that was like, maybe this is connected to all the weird stuff that I've had going on in my life. And here I am in like Northern Ireland running into this. And it just woke me. When I say it woke me up, it woke me up to the reality that this is a world at war, not just in the physical realm, but in the, in the unseen realm. And the unseen realm affects the physical world. And so, you know, what, and when I treat people, I'm not just cognizant of psychological issues or physical issues. There's a, they have a spirit, you're a spirit. Like there's an eternal side to you, a divine peace to you that matters, that is, that is essential. And so I think sometimes it gets a little fooey and cuckoo when people start talking spiritual matters. I, I don't know why that's the case. I, probably because people have seen things, seen abuse or they've seen you know, they, they've had stuff pushed on them, but my parents never did that. They didn't push stuff on me. So, um, yeah, man, that, that's kind of the quick and dirty. 
Do you think the ability to access this stuff is innately human? Do you think we all have that capability, but maybe it's, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like burned out of us in childhood because we're, we're so disconnected from nature, from reality. Well, okay. So I've got like a metaphor that might help listeners frame it. Um, so suppose Ben, suppose, suppose I send you and your kids and your family to my private villa in on a beach in France. I'm like, look, go for a month, just get away, record a bunch of podcasts, you know, eat some good food and just relax. So you go and it's day three and uh, you wake up to the sound of loud gunfire and explosions. And you, you go out of the front door, you open the front door and laid out all across the beach are dead bodies. And it turns out it's 1990, it's 1944 Normandy beach. And you happen to be there. You didn't ask for, for D-Day, but you happen to be there. And you have two choices. You can either jump into the war effort and try to help, or you can go close the door and go back to your coffee and try to tune it out and pretend like it's not happening. So I think a lot of people are busy with life. A lot of people are in the nine to five hustle. A lot of people, they're just, they're just trying to survive and they're unaware of the forces at large. They're disconnected, discombobulated, that which is real. They have a sour taste in in their mouth because maybe they got religion pushed on them or something, or they heard a YouTube video that turned them off or something. (laughs) People are so offended now. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's a a huge factor for a lot of people. That's interesting, man. So I always take the mindset of, I have no idea, right? I literally have no idea. So I always have an open mind to what exists beyond my five senses. And having had experiences along those lines, you start to become aware of, okay, there's definitely something beyond these senses, but I have no idea what it is, what role I might play, and how I would get involved if I did. And Not that we had any intention of going down this path, but I'm curious, yeah, how, how does one know what their role is, if at all? Generally speaking, like role in life, like calling, destiny, stuff like that? No, their role in, in the circumstance you're, you're bringing up, like to say, you know, there, there's, a, there's a war going on maybe between the dimensions or, or between the, you know, the things we can't see. Is it, is it fair to assume that everyone on this earth plays some role or, or has the ability to play a role in that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know how, what, how people will take this, but I don't think everybody wants to know the truth. Sure. Totally. It's scary as shit. Scary as shit, man. You sh- yeah. But you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm. Right? So I, I think a lot of us just get, we get sucked into, uh, let me frame it this way. You ever been in a lazy river? Yeah. Yeah, man. Like that's like every kid's favorite thing, right? So you're in the lazy river. And if you don't, if you don't paddle against it, you just go with the current. And there's a current in this life, right? And so- a lot of people, like if you've ever been, you know, you said you live in Tampa, but I've been caught in riptides before. I had a near drowning riptide experience. It wasn't until I turned around to swim against it that I realized how strong the grip was on me. That's when it took all my energy, right? And I think a, a lot of people, they don't want to be told hard things. They don't want to be told that maybe they've been living their, they've been climbing the wrong ladder their whole life. Maybe they don't want to be told that they believed lies and to, to dislodge lives and now believe the truth is extremely painful. It's like taking a thorn that's three inches into your foot and ripping it out. So it can be an, almost a traumatic feel for a lot of people. I guess, I guess it works both ways. People that have had fo- things forced on them uh, almost buck 
letting anyone speak into their lives, you know, because the last time they did that, it didn't work out so well. So I think part of it's teachability, part of it, here's the big one. Here's the biggest factor. I think how you can know your role is you have to embrace humility. I'm, I'm flexible. I'm open. I'm reverential towards the, I, the fact that I might not know everything. I'm going to seek. And guess what? Seek and you shall find. A lot of people stopped seeking a long time ago. They burned out. They got disillusioned. If you will humble yourself, be open, and then set your heart and your mind to begin to seek what is true, what is false, what is true. Is there, is there a God? Is there meaning to this life? Am I just a cosmic accident? And to take that beyond as far as you can go, and then to surround yourself. I like to surround myself with people that seem to be alive spiritually. They are in touch with who they are. They are, they're humble, but they're confident. Uh, they've, they've done their homework. They don't just believe everything that they see on YouTube, right? They ask hard questions. They're willing to get feedback. I mean, if you get around that kind of person, you're going to, it's like iron sharpens iron, right? So that's, that's my, and here's the last, the last little tip. I would say you want to know, if you want to know if somebody's legitimately spiritually sound and standing on solid ground, you shall know them by their fruit, right? So you and I live in Florida. How do you know it's an orange tree? It's got oranges on it. Does this person who claims to be spiritually enlightened, do they have peace in their life? Are they a person of integrity? Do they follow through? Are they loyal? Um, and nobody's perfect, by the way. But generally speaking, you're looking at the fruit in their life, the behaviors in their life, and that's attesting to the validity of the foundation. Beautiful. And that, that's a beautiful segue to what we really came here to talk about was, I'm actually going to precede that with, it, with another question. How much do you think that the current circumstance of the world is being influenced by things beyond our awareness? So the confusion amongst youth, uh, you know, drive toward complacency, laziness, acceptance of, you know, mediocrity, right? Acceptance of like, uh, everyone's the same. Seems to me like there's a bigger agenda at play. And that's just my, you know, maybe call it conspiracy theory, call it whatever. But it just so seems so ridiculous to me that everyone's buying the, the narrative that everyone's equal. Like, it just, it just may, maybe equal value, but certainly not equal, right? And so I'm curious what you think is the root of that. And it sounded like you had a lot of very good direction on how we can overcome that. As far as you just saying those things, they're like how to look at somebody's fruit. Uh-huh. But I'm curious what your thoughts on what, maybe what the root of that is. Yeah. If, I, if I'm understanding you right, I got another like maybe a, a word picture that might help. Did you, did you see the newest, the most recent King Arthur? It came out a couple years ago. I didn't. Yeah. All right. Well, don't see it. I mean, unless you like bad movies, but, uh, but the concept, the concept of King Arthur is basically in the movie, he's this, uh, th- this evil regime comes in, takes over the throne, and the king gets killed. But his, his sword, which is called Excalibur, goes into the ground and is magically frozen into stone. Or, you know, and only the true heir to the throne can rip it out. Well, years go by, the, the king's son is smuggled out of the castle, and he, he's raised in a, in a horror house by prostitutes. And he's, he's a street rat. He just kind of learns how to steal and kind of fend for himself. And these prostitutes all kind of mom him. And uh, he's raised and he becomes kind of their bodyguard. And then one day there's this line of men trying to yank this sword out of the stone. Nonchalantly goes up to it, yanks on it, it comes out. 
and power hits him and it's so powerful it knocks him out and he wakes up and it turns out now everybody's got eyes on this guy holy shit this guy is the one he's the heir to the throne well of course the bad guys now got to kill him because they don't want they don't want to give up the throne so there's there's this process in the film and the king arthur story of the kid learning who he is waking up to who he is but then he has to um, embrace he has to take the mantle is to take the sword and learn how to wield it. Well, so that is an identity awakening. That's what that is. That's the hero's journey. And actually, that's the like one of the oldest stories is the is the biblical story of creation. And you see in that piece where there's this utopian planet and this creator God figure creates this utopian planet and there's a man and a woman and they're supposed to make babies and 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 multiply and take they're good they're gardeners they're supposed to steward the earth but then this serpent comes and deceives them and they eat the fruit and there's this fracture in the utopia and all of a sudden where they had union with god the creator figure now it's fractured and their shame comes in and they they have to cover their bodies because they realize they're naked and lies start to come in and rape and cancer and pillage and death and all that stuff invades the utopia chaos comes in and in the biblical story that's the need for jesus jesus goes i'm going to rectify it you guys committed cosmic treason i'm going to take i'm going to take the hit for you guys and restore union between you and the creator that's why people make a big deal of jesus he's the messiah so i think yeah i think there is a creator i think that uh until we wake up to the reality that you didn't make you and and those skill sets that you got somebody planted them in there but it's your job to pour water on them. It's your job to steward the acorn that's inside of you can be an oak tree if you'll cultivate it. But a lot of people are scared. They don't know how they've never been told that they can cultivate it. They've never been told that they have purpose, that they have a divine, that the Imago Dei, the divine image imprinted upon them. So a lot of people just think they're useless, man. A lot of people think, you know, like they're who, they're what the, the tribe tells them they are. And the fact is, if we could, if we could see with spiritual eyes, we would be enormously impressed with everyone. How do we start to find it? So it seems as though you're someone who people are coming to, to start to discover their purpose, discover their, call it divine masculinity. How do we start to, how do we start to locate that? Yeah. Well, I think masculinity bestows masculinity. So I don't think you're going to learn masculinity from a woman. I don't think she can teach. I, I'm a dude. I have four daughters. I can't teach my daughters how to be feminine women. Mm. I can't. It's not in me. It's not in my DNA. So it doesn't mean I can't have nurturing moments. doesn't mean I can't be a kind man, a good leader, a good protector. So I think if you want to wake up to your divine masculine, you've got to be around divine masculine men, which means you've got to humble yourself and rub shoulders. You know, there's, there's that, that old proverb, iron sharpens iron, right? So if you want to be a sharp knife, you've got to You've got to you've got to sharpen yourself against a wet stone, a hard surface, right? So, um, yes, you want to be a lion, train with other lions. Another piece to it, man, is um, if you want to wake up to this this masculine piece, you've got to start at the base level by looking around your life and taking massive responsibility for everything in your life. There's an old text that says, "When I was a child, I thought like a child. When I became a man, I put away my childish ways." And I embraced manhood, right? So I, I stopped thinking and acting and behaving like a little boy. And I began to think and act and behave like a man. Well, how, do, how does that look? Well, think, what is a little boy? Let's simplify it. 
I, I'm around little boys all the time. My kids are young. Little boys, they want to play all the time. They don't like, they don't like taking responsibility. They live in fantasy land. They want to eat cotton candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? They don't want to be disciplined and go to sleep on time. They don't like being told no. Okay, so let's flip that on the head. So a masculine, mature male, a comprehensive man, instead of evading responsibility, decides I'm going to voluntarily choose responsibility, take ownership for everything that, that's under my jurisdiction. I'm going to step up and be disciplined. I'm going to, I'm going to cultivate what the Greeks called enkrateia, which is self-dominion, self-control. I'm not waiting for outside forces to control me. I govern myself, right? I, I discipline myself to go to sleep on time, to eat the right foods, to work out, all that stuff. I discipline my speech. Little boys live in fantasy land. If a man doesn't make that shift, he lives out his childhood fantasies in adulthood. He plays video games all day. He wastes his life away on Netflix. Um, he, he, he can't be content with the woman he has. He's always visualizing and fantasizing about other women. He's lost in the world of pornography. By the way, nobody's perfect. Everybody has temptations. But I'm just saying he, the undeveloped man extends his adolescence and just kind of perpetually lives as an adolescent in adulthood. So taking responsibility, engaging self-control, iron sharpens iron, being around other masculine men. Those are, that's the, those are kind of the front, that's the front door. That's my two cents on that. Yeah. And now having raised two children, one nine, one ten, I see, you know, I didn't see this in myself as a child, but I see the pre the propensity to model, right? And I see they're little chameleons, right? They're, they're little parrots where they hear somebody say something or they watch you do something and they're just going to model. And so someone who's grown up, you know, maybe with the, the lack of a father or the lack of a real father figure, somebody, you know, maybe someone who's, who's physically present, but not mentally present, or yeah, just like no one who ultimately embodied this ideal male characteristic. One, how important is that? And two, how, do, how does a young person start to live that life other than like, yeah, go find per a person, but it doesn't seem that likely. So in my 40 years on this planet, I haven't encountered that many people that I would say, yeah, that person is a uh, role model. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things that, so I should preface this by saying my father is amazing. He's still in my life and he modeled, he modeled healthy comprehensive masculinity for me. We still talk weekly. Like I, I love him. I honor him. That being said, I've also had other fathers in my life. I've had coaches, athletic coaches. I've had military leaders over my life. I, I went to military academy for four years. I've had uh, business owners that have coached me. But one of the things I've done is I've read biographies of men that, I, that, that embodied virtues fortitude, courage, honor, integrity, comprehensive masculinity, embodied it in their lives. And I studied their life. That's one. I also listen to podcasts and I, and I watch other men that, that hold, hold some of these core virtues um, and live them. They demonstrate them, right? So if I don't have access because I live in Podunk, Alabama, and, and there's no dads around, you know, I'm going to have to get creative and I may need to move locations like, how bad do you want it, man? Like, I mean, you're, you're a fitness guy. You, you, you had to make major sacrifices to manifest and, and cultivate your desires, which were to be a, a champion, right? You had to make sacrifices, meaning you probably had to move places. You had to subject yourself 
to routines and locations to see that through. Well, if you want to develop in your masculine form, your masculine frame, I'm going to tell you straight up, what sacrifices are you making? Like, how bad do you want it? I think the word that comes up for me that was ultimately my guiding light and seems to be absent in most people's life is purpose, right? So I knew what my purpose was. I don't know why I had a purpose, but I knew what it was. From from my experience, I mean, I could probably count on one hand the number of men that I know that live with a, I shouldn't say that few, but not a huge number of men that are living with a very clearly defined purpose. Do you have a thought on how uh, one can start to unravel and decipher what their purpose might be? Yeah, but it's not sexy. It's not a sexy answer. I'm a huge, huge believer in the fact that most people despise the day of small things, so they never get promoted. Uh, Most people think their minimum wage job doesn't matter and say they do a shit job. And the problem with that is if you don't do a good job there, I can't promote you. Mm -hmm. As a human, as your manager, I can't promote you because you're not cutting it. But if there is a creator who wants to promote you, he can't feasibly give you the keys to the Lamborghini if you're miss if you're just driving the minivan recklessly. So a lot of people, if you want to find your purpose, you look around where you are, your small sphere, and you try to steward that really well. And if you could steward that really well, your influence and reach will expand and you'll start to run into more and more things that you're good at. And people are going to seek you out because they see that you're a good steward. And it, but like, it's almost like a by proxy situation where as you expand, you're going to bump into the right people, the right trail, right? It's going to, it's like, you're going, if you just make it your mission, okay, today really matters. Now I should probably add a caveat. I'm also a huge proponent of you need to be very curious and exploratory to find your purpose. Um, a lot of people, they pursue the purposes of their parents. I work, dude, I live in, I live in Palm Beach County. I, I meet with weekly meet with families and the mom and the dad want something for the child and they push it on the child and the child does it not designed for it and the child doesn't want it, but the child has to contend with living the unlived life of the parents. Mark Twain. Mark Twain, right? So that's a, that's a huge component, but when I work with kids, I'm like, look, man, like what naturally, like, what do you have like a natural interest in, man? You know, like, do you, I like building with my hands? Okay. Well, like, let's explore that. A lot of people stop asking what they naturally organically like, because they don't think it's sexy enough. They don't think it's, that's why everybody loves dirty jobs, by the way. Mike Rowe, if you read his kind of his take, he, he's like, look, I just started realizing these people, these people didn't, they didn't like bump into their passion. They just stewarded, stewarded their jobs really well and they blew up and it kind of became a passion because you, you tend to get passionate about wh- where you spend your time, your money, your, your, what you pour your resources into. You tend to get more passionate about those things. That's Cal Newport as well. You know, be so good they can't ignore you. If you know Cal Newport, he's same same concept. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that guy, but that sounds right. I mean, so yeah, I think be curious explore like i i know most people it's very rare that you meet someone and they're five year old they're, they're seven years old and they go i'm going to be a firefighter when i grow up and they just have a deep desire to be a firefighter they grow up they become a firefighter it's like that's very rare most of us don't know what we want so we have to explore which takes courage we have to be curious 
And then we have to steward what is on our plate right now really well, like it really matters, like it really freaking matters. And if you'll do that, you will expand. And as you expand, you're, you're going to bump into things that you're designed for. And you said that wasn't sexy. That was certainly one of the best answers I've ever heard. And it makes so much sense. And, and you'll get it owning a business. And I run into it owning a business is the people you hire is always the people that pay attention to the details. And so I have some belief around certain religious sects of the world that just really are detail-oriented. And that's why these people succeed. Because from a time they're very young, they're told that you pay attention to details. Even if it's something as simple as like, hey, on this day, we fast. On this day, we eat this. On this day, we, I don't know, we go to church. Like those rituals uh-huh. inculcate value. They shine the light on how important a habit and ritual is and allows people to start to embody this reality that, hey, these things matter. Because I find there's a lot of people who don't place a lot of weight on anything. They just kind of fly through life with no, no uh, priorities, no value placed on really anything. Huh. There's one thing I want to tack on. I mean, I love what you're saying. It may, I, I totally agree. There, there's something, I, I tell this to my clients a lot. You, you live in Florida, so you're familiar with Publix, the grocery store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Everybody who's listening, if you've ever gone to a grocery store, which you have, if you stand 30 yards from the front door of the grocery store, the door will not open. You have to get within sensor range and then voila, the doors open, right? A lot of us live life waiting, sitting back, waiting for a passion to hit us. We're waiting for the, 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 an audible from heaven. We're waiting for somebody to find us. Somebody's going to find our talent, you know? Well, no, 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 no. It, you, you have to flip it. You have to move into aggressive attack mentality. I'm going to go towards the door. I'm going to move in a direction. And as I do, doors will open because as I move, guess what? As you move forward, you're growing. You're not stagnant, right? As the more, the more curls you do, the bigger your biceps get. Your biceps aren't stagnant. They're growing. If you'll move forward, which is a faith step, it takes massive balls, massive cojones to get off your butt and try again and to to move into uncharted territory, to unfamiliar territory, and to trust if I keep moving forward, the right doors open, the right connections will happen. I'll get favor with the right people. I'll I'll meet guys like Ben. I'll meet whoever. And boom, bada-bing, doors start to open that you couldn't foresee back there where you were. That's that's what I mean by expand, move forward, grow, have massive courage, take heart, you have it. I love that. And one thing I, I came to mind as you were speaking there is as you approach the door, whatever door that may be, your body is telling you, right? Your, your five senses are giving you a signal or, or, or creating an awareness. It may be a smell, it may be a feeling in your body like, hey, this is right or this is wrong. But most people miss the feeling because they're so disconnected from their body. And you know, they spend their entire life trying to mute all the sensations. They don't want to feel the, the anxiety, the fear, the overwhelm, and, and they just disconnect. And so I think that is a big part of things that I teach is the world is telling you the direction. Like, you know, where your house is, you know, like you, where your true home is, where you're supposed to be going home to the light, you know? And if you, if you learn just to pay attention to what your body is telling you, it's all right there, man. And that's something I've learned re- recently in the last, I don't know, maybe six years. It's like, the answer is right there. The answer, you know, the answer. If you, if you truly learn to tune the radio dial, right, using an old school reference that you know maybe some of our audience won't get, but 
you learned it too in the radio dial. You know, if you, if you're one inch or one one millimeter off, you're not going to hit the you're not going to hit the station. But as you learn to tune the the radio, you can ultimately dial into the exact frequency you're trying to dial into and know exactly where you're going. And I think that metaphor holds true right now as we're walking up to a lot of different public stores, but nobody knows which door to go through because they're not they're not listening to the the pull or the call from within. Yeah, you know what eventually happens, man. I mean, I'm I'm sure some of your listeners are they're they're, they're high performers. They're they're you know grade A type A types who are go getters. And when you've got momentum, lots of doors start to open for you. And then it's about discernment. Then it's about just because I can doesn't mean I should. And that's where having a tribe of good people around you and and practicing slowing down, praying, meditating, breathing, listening to some of your coaches as you make, try to make these wise decisions, you know, like one of those people for me, honestly, is my wife. Like to me, the voice of God often sounds like my wife because <laughs> she's got, she's got such wisdom. And I, I always make sure we're in agreement before I make big decisions, but we still walk towards doors. We still take risks. Like I'm going to be taking risks till the day that I die because yeah. I want to grow. Love it, man. Love it. You're, you're right. And, uh, for me, it's the concept of like, if it's not a, a heck yeah or a hell yeah, it's a hell no. You know, I think that's one thing I go by. Like, you got to be so all in. I, I said this to everybody. It's like, you need to just be, you know, need to feel like you're being ripped out of bed every morning. You need to be, have so much enthusiasm and passion. Otherwise, it's probably not right. Like, right. If, if you feel like you have to work, I mean, I get it. Sometimes you got to struggle through the discomfort. But I think the passion or the purpose lies in that thing that just feels so innate feels so like i just love doing this and not everyone gets to find that in their life and i i wish that for everyone like truly i wish the ability to find that thing that that when you get up you're like man i just love being able to do this i feel rewarded i feel fulfilled i feel like uh, i'm living my life's purpose by you know i i can work 16 hours a day or 20 hours a day and it never feels like work yeah you're you're kind of leading into a big topic for me and that's this uh, this concept of passivity. You know, like in, in my view, casual men will be casualties. Casual people will be casualties. And, and like a good way to think of passivity is an individual that adapts a pattern of retreat and inaction. It's a pattern. It's a, they, they lack initiative as a pattern, as habit. Okay. And the, the truth is, it's my view, and I, I would urge your listeners to adopt this, that everything that matters to you is under siege all the time. I heard you say that. I love that. Your, your family, bro, your family is under siege. P- people are gunning for your family. Dudes are gunning for your girl. <laughs> Dark people are gunning for your children. Dark systems are gunning for your children. They want to they disciple your children, mentor your children. It's your job as a protector to be the shield. Your, your health is under siege. Right. Like if you're not on top of that, it's going to go sideways real quick. Your vision, like if you have a vision for your life or a vision for your company, that's under siege. Visions don't happen by accident. Right. So if you look at the opposite of passivity, we're talking about a retreat, a pattern of retreat and an action. Then the opposite is assertiveness. I hunt down and eradicate all forms of passivity in my life and I move into the fray voluntarily. I I get aggressive aggressive about life and people get people don't like that word look you'll like it better if you frame it like this if you had a cancerous tumor on your breast you would want your doctor to aggressively attack your cancer yep 
if a man was breaking into your home tonight at 2 a.m., you would want someone to aggressively attack that person who's breaking in. There's a time and a place to be aggressive. Pa women are repulsed by passive men. Comprehensive men do not respect passive men. Passivity is never a good thing. It must always be resisted. Retreat is not an option. So if we want to grow, if we want to find our passion, you have to get aggressive. You have to move into attack mentality. If you want to grow as a man, it's not going to happen by accident. Just like Ben, you're all about fitness and, and holistic health. You, you're not going to be a healthy person just one day because you wake up. Right. It's going to take strategy. It's going to take concerted effort, but it can happen if you'll shift your mindset. What's your daily practices around making sure that you're remaining in attack mode? My daily practice, well, I work out probably six to seven days a week, all kinds. Of, I, I work out outside a lot. I do a lot of trail running, a lot of, I do jiu-jitsu. Yep. Um, I, do, I, I do a lot of Murphs uh, with weights and stuff, but and I, I lift weights as well, but not as much as I probably should. But I, I do a lot of praying, man. I, I, we, we, my house backs up to a nature preserve and I'll, <laughs> it sounds kind of, hippie, but I'll, I'll not wear shoes and I'll go walk through trails barefoot. And I'll just, sometimes I'll listen to a podcast. Sometimes I'll be completely quiet. Sometimes I'll pray. I'll talk to God. Sometimes I'll just notice nature. Sometimes I'll deep breathe. I love deep breathing. I'm a amateur free diver. I'm not very good at it, but that, that forced me to start working on breath control and things. I also wrestle with symptoms of asthma. So deep breathing is very beneficial for me. I read a lot, man. A lot of these things are early morning, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., stuff like that. I read the Bible. I read a lot on the topic of masculinity. I love, I'm, dude, I pick from all different sources. I'm not like a one-track person. You might see me listening to a personal self-development podcast, and then the next day I might be listening to a podcast on cults, you know, like just random Whatever I feel is going to feed my spirit and my mind. I try to listen to people I disagree with. I try to sub subject myself to that and learn how to be a listener and not to get too easily offended. So those are some of my typical morning daily habits. Those are all great practices. I think one of the things that comes up for me, and I'm sure this is, this is part of your life, is honesty with your partner. It sounds like when you're saying sometimes the voice of God sounds a lot like your wife. I'm going to speculate that's the voice of honesty and reason that's coming through. And, you know, the people around you, it's so vital that, you know, as you said, you know, look at the fruits on your tree and, and the relationship with your wife, the relationship with your daughters uh, as an expression of who you are at your soul. I think that's so valuable to, for me, that to me is, is an indication of if I'm doing a good job. Like, am I showing up? Am I always being assertive? Am I in attack mode? It's like the people who are closest to me, what are they saying about me? Right. Cause the people outside, they don't know anything about you. You're putting on a facade, right? Social media is no shit. But in reality, like the people who are closest to you, what do they say about you when, when you're not around? What do they say about you at your funeral? You know, that's ultimately a great way for men to live their life is you now I think most men have that backwards. They treat people at the office well and they treat people that are, you know, business colleagues well and they mistreat their, their people who are truly close. And to me, that's the, the first sign of character. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Can't, I couldn't agree more. Man, love this conversation. Love what you're about. I would love to send people your way. You have a great course or book on um, anxiety, panic disorders, and depression, helping people overcome that. Where can our audience find those and learn more from you? Yeah. So uh, my e-course, um, you can either go through Instagram. I think I've got a link on my, it's Primal Virtues is my Instagram page. 
But my website is thrive.co. Thrive is spelled kind of funny. It's T-H-R-I-I-V.co. You'll learn about, uh, I've got an anxiety, panic and anxiety e-course. I've also got uh, a program. Uh, um, it's a mountain immersion training experience in North Carolina. Um, that's called the Primal Course. Really passionate about that because, you know, like we're, right now we're conversing and, and dialoguing and exploring ideas. But you, you know as well as I do, those ideas mean shit unless we put them to practice. Oh. So for me, I'm a doer, man. Like, hey, let's take, dude, I tell my wife all the time, if you hear me talking on these interviews and I'm not doing it, you need to like hold me accountable. I don't want to be hype. I want to be real. I want to be solid and authentic. So the primal course is a way to have to, to be tested, to grow, to be sharpened. We summit mountains. There's psychological challenges. Um, there's teaching. There's brotherhood, uh, beautiful accommodations, and just, you know, it's just an epic time. Next one's coming up in November. So if any of you guys want to check that out, it's called the Primal Course. Love to have you. I love it, man. And as you said earlier, iron sharpens iron. And so one of the things that I've noticed throughout time is when I surround myself with men who are performing at a high level, it always makes me up level. I always up level my game. I'm always the one who's like, yeah, I'm going to challenge you. You better bring your best because I'm going to challenge you. And I know that makes you bring your best. And I think everybody gets better. Leaving yeah. that weekend feeling rewarded, feeling accomplished, feeling like, gosh, you know, that was definitely worth my time and effort. So, man, I, I hope I can one day make it to your event. I would love to be there. I'd love to, to engage. I would love to be in your energy and, and uh, ultimately become a better man together. So, man, thanks for being here, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Yeah, bro. Hey, man, just the little I've gotten to know you, man. I'm, I'm really, you've inspired me to kick up my, my physical game, man. And just, I, I want to put on, put on a little bit of bulk. I just got to get my wife on board with that, but I'm down, man. So I'm, I love what you're doing, man. And thanks for having me. Thank you, man. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, absolutely. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for being a listener of the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I truly love what I do. And I love to be able to share information. I truly love to be able to sit down with the brightest minds in the world and discuss how we can optimize the first step in optimization is realizing that you can. And I hope everyone listening to this podcast takes this awareness that any challenge you're facing in your life, and trust me, I'm very well aware of challenges that are outside of your control. I'm actually experiencing one right now in my life. However, I still get to choose my perception. I still get to choose my mindset. I still get to choose how I show up in life. And I say to my kids all the time, there's only two things in life you get to, you get to choose. And it's your attitude and your effort. That's an, that's an oversimplified version of how we succeed in life. I get to choose my attitude. I get to choose my effort. So if you're out there and you're a parent and you want to teach your kids a really simple framework of the two things we can control, attitude and effort. And what you'll find is every single time that you're having a challenge with those kids, it's one of those two things. Like, well, let's say 99 times out of 100, it's going to be one of those two things. And if we can teach ourselves that first, and I always say leaders lead themselves first. The difference between leaders and everybody else is we take action and we lead ourselves first. And so this community of leaders, this community of champions, I'm here to support you in any way that you need, ultimately to live your greatest life in a body of love. This podcast is evolving to be the bridge, really, the overlap, the Venn diagram of what I'll say is performance, muscle building, and longevity, right? So what does it mean to, to perform well? well? I want to be able to do things that I want to do what I want, I want to do it. Whether you want to play high-level sports or surf or, or skydive, or if you just want to be able to walk with your grandkids or play with your grandkids, whatever your performance is, whatever your field of play is, be great at it. Love it. Feel good while you're doing it. And that's what this podcast has really evolved to. 
it's not just about, hey, let's put on as much muscle as possible, which we can do that too, if that's your goal. Um, but oftentimes what we realize is, or what I realized is, that goal is amazing and really, really great. And there's so much more that can go with it. The evolution of man, the evolution of self requires, yeah, it definitely requires a hard training. It definitely requires the leaning in when things get hard, the development of your character. But ultimately, the work itself won't change your character. Your mindset while doing the work has to be there as well. And I learned this. Maybe I, I developed my character a little bit, but I was still very insecure. I was still very selfish at many times, right? And maybe that was necessary to get me where I, I did. But at the end of the day, in order for me to finally take action and change my life to become a happy person, truly enjoys my life, who feels grateful every second that I get to breathe, it required changing my perspective. I can still do the same things that I did, or I don't, but I could, with a different attitude, right? It's, you can climb the same mountain with a completely different mindset and it ultimately becomes two different experiences, right? One person can climb that mountain dreading it and complaining about it and then being in their head the whole time about, oh gosh, this is terrible and this is, this is challenging. The other person could just be in this attitude of like, I'm so blessed to be able to experience this moment with a body that serves me, a body that shows up for me every moment. And that, in my belief, is the, is the foundation of everything we do. So thank you to Jonathan Rios for coming, on, for coming on today and talking about his approach, his mindset toward ultimate success. And if you did find this podcast valuable, don't forget to subscribe on any of the amazing channels at which you listen to podcasts. I tend to listen right now on Spotify. I really enjoy Spotify. Um, sometimes I go on Apple Podcasts, but generally it's Spotify. And oftentimes I'll watch on YouTube because YouTube sometimes will get um, things like uh, additional video features. If you want to see my smiling mug, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll also get the subtitles. So that's a good way if you're someone who likes to read while you listen. Maybe I don't articulate myself or maybe you like to watch it on speed 2.0. Then definitely head over to YouTube as well. Don't forget to subscribe there as our listenership continues to grow. We have so much great content coming at you as we build our free content, as well as our paid content within our members only community and coaching community, which we have so much great stuff happening in. If you're interested in working with myself or a muscle intelligence coach to help you optimize your lifestyle, optimize your training, your nutrition, your mindset, then head over to muscleintelligence.com slash apply, A-P-P-L-Y. Uh, fill out a short application. We can hop on a call, see if you're a great fit. And as I've said many times before, if you're ready, if you're 100% ready to transform and you know now is the time, then reach out because we are 100% committed to your success. Our coaches are amazing and truly gifted and truly invested in the success of our clients. We continue to get better every single week, every single uh, month. We're getting better and better and better. We're training. We're bringing on amazing uh, guests to teach and we're just here to support you. So if you're someone who wants to be the best version of yourself and you want a professional to oversee that, go ahead and reach out to muscleintelligence.com. Ladies and gents, thanks for being here. Have an amazing day. Live your greatest life in the body you love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.